You are listening to Real Men Feel with Andy Grant. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having, but all men can benefit from. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get to it. Hello, this is Andy Grant, the host of Real Men Feel, and I've been feeling a lot today. Um, This morning, I found myself, I had to apologize to my dog for taking my frustrations out on her, and then I sobbed for about five minutes straight. I just sobbed really hard, and then... An hour later, I watched the clip of the CNN news crew getting arrested in Minneapolis, and I sobbed again. I don't know how black Americans feel. I don't know the fear that you deal with, but I do feel the pain and the hurt. And I really want to make it clear, I'm not claiming to know or understand how African Americans feel. I can only imagine it is so much stronger. I don't have an experience with that daily fear that I'm learning more and more black people have always felt. But I do feel hurt, pained, angry, frustrated, fearful of what's going to happen if society and politicians keep ignoring the systemic racism and dehumanization of African-American men. I am deeply saddened and shocked And I realize I'm grieving the loss of what my white privileged ass thought this country was. So welcome to today's episode of What the Fuck. Joining me is author and host of Diary of a Mad Black Man podcast, Blake Johnson. How are you doing, Andy? Thank Uh, you. How are you doing? I'm processing, I'm dealing, and I'm feeling. It's something that... It, it's it's an everyday process with me. Sorry, that's my shit here. But um, I it I feel anger. I feel hurt um, for myself personally. Um, I felt like this. I I feel it physically. There's like this inside my chest. Like there's like this tighten. Like this tightening like grip that almost like like when you cry really hard and and you feel the tightening in your chest and your body physically reacting to the pain that's where I'm at it's beyond mental at this point um especially after some shit I was engaged with on Facebook today which that's a whole nother conversation maybe we'll get into that but um I'm hanging in there the best that I can and trying to move through this space and this time and era um and do something about what's happening because I feel helpless. And I think that's probably one of the toughest emotions that I'm feeling. I feel helpless because sure, you can reach out to your local officials, you can send emails, you can organize peaceful marches and protests and all these different things that we can do besides what the response is right now. I feel every, all of it has a justified reason to be utilized. You know, yeah, we need to organize and, you know, talk to local officials and politicians, but at the end of the day, this is not new. And for me, I've spent 30 years on this earth. Majority of them right here in America, I've traveled around, lived different places and all kinds of things. 
And my skin color has been the biggest factor in how those 30 years have gone. And it seems that people just don't understand that. Some people, it's not even about the people at this point or what other people think. I'm really in a, oh shit, here we go. I'm really in a place where I'm trying to understand where to stand at this point, what to say, what to do, because I am a black man. I do know that there are white people out there who may empathize or try to understand, but I also know that there are black people out there that belong over there with the Karens and Amy's that we're seeing right now. So I'm at a point where I understand and I see the race factor. I'm not an expert by any means, but I get it. Um, but I'm really just lost, you know? I found myself, like how I am now, really fighting back tears, fighting back emotions, because it's, it is my reality. This is something that could happen to me, you know? And it, it I, Lost for words, helpless, you know, it, because it's because I've experienced racism before. I'll tell you the first one of the very first times I, I, I realized that there were evil people in this world. I moved to Memphis, Tennessee when I was about 10 years old. Uh, I can remember as I began to kind of learn the environment moving from a place like Chicago to Memphis. Memphis was very country, which for technicality first, I guess I didn't live in the inner cities of Memphis. I live in the suburbs, Cordova, Bartlett, Germantown, wherever, but you experience this shit everywhere. It's not confined to inner cities. I was riding my bike with one of my friends, I'll never forget, who was Austin, another white kid, and a Ford Bronco, gray Ford Bronco with four white guys inside. I'll never forget, because it was one of those two-door Ford Broncos. I remember specifically seeing when I remember it was, I was like, oh, that's like the OJ truck. You know what I'm saying? The, from the, it was like the same kind, but it was a, like a dark gray color. And they literally pulled up next to me. We were sitting on the sidewalk, and next thing I know, a milkshake is flying in my face. This dude threw a milkshake in my face and said, fucking nigger, and the truck drove off. And at the time, at 10 years old, I'm like... Like what? Like I didn't understand what had just happened, but I remember the response of my friend. My friend literally just started laughing. I kind of giggled a little bit in the moment too. Just in, I mean, I was ten years old, just got a milkshake thrown on me. But it's a situation, one of many that has stuck with me throughout my life to understand that there are some people that probably would have put up and put a gun on me and killed, and killed me because of the color of my skin. There are some people still today who are targets because of the color of their skin. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have all the words. I mean, to, to be on, to be totally honest, I've really, I, I've taken some notes and really trying to process because I know that what we're talking about, what we're dealing with nothing. I don't think there's a one sit down conversation or one thing that we can do to really explain or, communicate for I'll, I'll speak for myself there I, I i don't know it's going to take me a while to really process and explain how i feel 
that answers the question. But it's it's a lot. It's 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 a lot. And for someone like myself, it's I feel I feel very helpless. So I don't I, I don't know. I, I want to turn it back over to you because I'm just kind of like like you. I'm very frustrated, upset, angry, helpless, all of that. But I don't know what to do. But I'm trying by having conversations like this by unfortunately i feel like it's kind of useless but posting on social media is really all i feel that i can do at this point in this moment right now because if i get out here in these streets if i'm, I'm in atlanta right now for protest work starts to organize here in atlanta i'm gonna go i'm gonna participate but i'm also i also understand that especially seeing things that are going on right now that that could be the end of my life or i could end up in jail you know what i'm saying I'm willing to do that, willing to make that sacrifice. So in this moment, I'm not there yet. Nothing's happening. I haven't really even, really, I, I haven't really looked at social media as much as I could have. I've kind of been very selective in the spaces I've moved and operated. And to be totally honest and transparent, it wasn't until this morning that I really tried to engage with people as far as posting and commenting back and forth with people because I know that people can be very small-minded. And this is an issue that is bigger than one or two individuals who post on Facebook, including myself. But what can you do? So I'm going to do what I can to get through the day because my sanity is important and whatever I feel I need to post, need to do, need to see, need to say, I'm going to do it and say it. So, yeah. Um, kinda... th there's a lot of noise coming through on, on your end, like feels like rustling and you're on a pile of crap or something. Uh, and so I just asked you if you can... No, pl plug in a mic or uh, or be in a more stable spot. But everything you're saying is great, but it's being at times uh, getting yeah, muffled. Not, no. So how does it sound? I just realized I didn't even plug up my mic, dude. Uh. I I'm not even like that. That's literally how like my morning is starting. Like literally, I had to remind myself like, okay, we need to be productive. We can't sit and wallow in this shit today. We can't sit here depressed. We can't, we, and I also don't want to go, go out here and just start burning shit and tearing shit down. And I'm not saying that to say that what people's responses are is not justified because I feel that people are angry and pissed off and I'm trying to control myself and not go out here and start burning shit and tearing shit up myself. So well, I would, let me, let me, let me te technicality, is the audio good now? Is it still wrestling? Yeah. No, you're good now. Good now. Okay, good. Cool. And we'll just leave all this in because it represents fucking reality today. And it's cool. That's right? that's the basis of my podcast, which is just I don't like to edit and take stuff out and do things like that. If I mess up and say a word, if I say something wrong, I can go back and correct it later. If people I feel like my audience and the people that I try to cater to are people that are gonna have that understanding that shit happens. I'm not perfect. You know, you might have a little ruffles in, in the sound audio quality or whatever, but I, I get it. So, so I'm there with you. So thank you for that. Thank cool. you for this space. And I want to back. So we were just introduced just, just through, on Facebook a week or so ago by Dr. Lou. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a week. And so we connected, we had a quick chat for like five minutes. Um, I just knew like, Oh, at some point we're going to do something together. And that's kind of yeah, how it was left. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then with all this shit going down, um, I saw, it was a post I saw on your wall just yesterday and you said, no, I'm not okay. I, I can't fathom anything on earth that'll make it okay. The excruciating pain I feel throughout my body is unbearable, yet flows ever so naturally like the blood in my veins. 
And that's as far as I read. The post goes on. That's all I read. And that's why that's the moment I reached out to you said, dude, let's talk like today, tomorrow. Let's do this quickly. Um, so I, I don't know shit about you. I don't think you know shit about me. Um, but, you know, you touched on earlier. All, I don't know what I can do, but at least I can reach out and talk to people. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I'm doing. And that's why I'm going to send this and share this. And like, this is an example. This is what I invite everyone to use social media for. Reach mm-hmm. out to somebody you don't know well. Don't keep talking to your own same circle. And yeah. and I've been I've been avoiding the news all week. I've been way I just post stuff, share things I think look cool. I don't comment because n- nothing's ever been nobody's mind has ever been changed by a social media comment. It just right. doesn't work that way. So everyone, save save your freaking sanity. <laughs> you know, share what you think is important. Don't even look at likes or shares or comments. <laughs> Yeah, I, I could slap myself on the wrist in the face right now for that because I actually engaged in some comments uh, this morning and it, and it really pissed me off. I'm like, why the fuck am I even in the comments? You know not to go into the comments. So yeah, I definitely feel that. So is the moment we're in now a surprise to you or is this something that you've just have felt repeatedly, repeatedly? Is this, is this the same or is it different? It's the same, but it's a little elevated. I think the best way I can explain it is like, imagine, so it's like I carry a wound, an open gushing wound every single day I live. As it gets closer to being healed sometimes, it's the bandage is ripped off and it's back open. It may heal, it may, you know, get the little scale on it or whatever, however, I can't think of the fucking proper term, but it may close up, but it keeps getting ripped open. This is the same wound that keeps getting ripped open over and over and over again. I try to go each day of my life and not deal and not think about my own issues and trauma that I'm trying to heal from for my own life because I'm not perfect. You know, I'm, I've done some, I guess you could say, fucked up shit in this world. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of stuff that I'm trying to heal from as a person, but then this is not nothing that's new. This that we're seeing is not like, I, I mean, that's ultimately, it's not new. This has gone on for decades, decades, hundreds of years. They have been killing innocent black people for hundreds of years in this country. The, what we see now is the fact that everybody got one of these in their hands and now they're blasting it on social media. I think about, you know, the hashtag before this one, um, Ahmaud Arbery, when that situation happened in February. The video didn't release until what? End of April, early May? So until we saw it, nobody knew. There was no outrage. And so I'm also thinking about how many other George Floyds they've been this week that just didn't happen to start trending on Twitter and social media. How many other innocent black and brown people have been murdered this week by police that hasn't made national news? How many young children out here have been exposed to seeing these kind of things? So why do you think that it, like, people of all races become policemen so it can't just be, it's, it doesn't seem like it could just be a white cop thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is, when you said they keep killing us, who, who's, who's they in your eyes? Well, I see 
police killing innocent. Un- what I see is I see white supremacy still killing black people. What I see is white supremacy still ruling through the police departments in this country. What I see is white privilege still blinding people from seeing the reality of what it is that I'm experiencing every single day. When I say they, I do want to say that it is acknowledged that there is predominantly white versus black. However, I will be ignorant to also not acknowledge that it's not just a black and white thing as well. Both can coexist at the same exact time. The fact that it is kind of a white issue and privileged issue, but at the same time, it's not just about race. Those have equal playing fields in in my mind in trying to understand this. Um, I think it boils down to also positions of power, um, economics. I mean, there's so many different angles and perspectives that we can, that I could think of to try to intertwine and understand and justify who they is or who's at fault or who's this. At the end of the day, People are being killed and murdered simply because of the color of their skin. It's happening. That, 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 that's the historical ramification of what we're seeing today. That's the reason why people are upset and we're tired of it. We're tired. We're fed up. And I, and I, and I come from, and I think a lot of people in my generation are going to feel me on this, you know. Our grandparents were very peaceful and cordial back in the 60s. I'm not my grandparents. You're not finna spray me with no water hose. You're not finna come and just do whatever you want to do because my people, my people died for me to be here. So if they died, now you y'all still tripping? Okay, so now it's time to fight because clearly being peaceful doesn't work. But going back to Rodney King, going to Ferguson, the riots when riots are violent, the there's looting and fires, and and that hasn't changed anything either. I, I have to I happen to disagree with that. Okay. I think that the rioting and the looting let me start with this. I don't condone violence against people. Okay. But rioting, looting, destroying a building that can be rebuilt, stealing things that can be replaced and is probably insured, those don't have the same weight as a life that can never be replaced. These hashtags, these people, there's no rebuilding and there's no option to come back for them. Target, Dollar Tree, the couple um, stores that I saw that were burnt down, the police station in Minneapolis, it's going to get rebuilt. It'll be replaced. So I feel that the response is justified. I'm not saying that it's right to burn down a building. I'm not saying everybody needs to go out here and burn down buildings and start looting stuff because I clearly just said, you know, that's not something that I personally want to do. However, I'm also in a place where if I, I, I could see how I would result to those kind of actions. So I understand the anger and the frustration behind people who maybe may not be in a place to sit down and have a conversation like I am. You know, I think that, I mean, I'm going to be honest, I think that I have a, a set of privilege because I have went to, I did go to college. I do have a master's degree. You know, I have been educated, I guess you can say. I am very aware of the world. At the same time, I'm also humble enough to know that I'm not an expert and I don't know everything. 
but at the same time, I think the quote goes uh, from Dr. King, something along the lines of um, rioting is the language of the unheard. Mm. You know, you constantly peacefully protest and peacefully do this and you you live your life every single day seeing racism, knowing that the racists don't see it and it's just this thing you have to live with. And then it's like your back's against the wall at a certain point. So I think that the people who are actually I, I literally I literally wrote this down. So I wanna pull this up because like I said, my emotions are all over the place. And I acknowledge that and I recognize that, but I also understand that, you know, I have to process and get through this. So, you know, like I think about, okay, so this is one. When Kaepernick was peacefully kneeling, <laughs> he was taking a knee because of what we see in the news right now. And look at the outrage the backlash the well you guys can't do this during the national anthem then you know just i mean we could go on and on about that so it's like what do you want us to do what do you want me to do and and that's honestly where i am do i need to continue to have peaceful conversations like this that are healthy that are productive that can um begin to really begin to communicate to people how i'm feeling my experiences or do i need to get out here and just start making a statement and burning shit up I don't know. That's why I'm staying in the house today. <laughs> yeah, I get, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's the peaceful shit gets attacked for how dare you, and then you're you're violent, and there's looting and fires, and oh, it, yeah. Like I can just imagine portion of white America looking at the news and going, oh, idiots destroying their own stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And just it and it. What 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 bothers me about it is that it just keeps widening the gap between us all. And I and I wish I knew what what would go the other way. But mm -hmm. like I said, all I can do is like I. I we I think we all human beings innately fear what we don't know. So yeah. if you're if you're you know you're a middle-aged white guy parading around with your AK-57 and all your friends are middle-aged white guys with their AK-57s and you think that's what America is and anything different is scary to you, then that's that's where the trouble that's why the trouble keeps. That's going. your reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the fuck to do, but I know our leadership sure isn't helping. You know, what, I guess what shocks me, again, as a white privileged person, that eight years of Obama, and we're, we're like, worse. It's worse. Did, did, like, did anything, did anything in terms of race relations improve? Because I thought they had, but may, again, was I, just, was I just tricked? Am I naive? I think a lot of people were bamboozled by Obama's presidency. I think a lot of people thought that because we elected a black man as a president that, oh, racism is officially over. This socially constructed ideology that is, has really no scientific backing or anything behind it has been the foundation of how the world in which we live and operate was structured, okay? So if you have something at the foundation and the core of what everything has been built on, until you destroy that foundation, it's gonna be a part of the fabric of everything that grows from that foundation, if that makes sense. And so I say that because from my perspective, it's not about ending racism, 
because I feel like it's never going to end. How do you deal with it? What do you do when, because you can't teach everybody. Everybody's not willing to, and, and to be told, there are not a lot of white people that are willing to sit down and have a conversation like how you and I are having. There's also a lot of black people that are not willing to sit down and have a conversation with another white person right now. You know what I'm saying? I am one of those people. I'm not trying to say I'm, I'm better than anybody else, but this is just the space that I'm in for my life right now in this moment. And I feel that this is healthy. This is productive. This is probably better than me going outside and burning down buildings right now. So I think that people have to understand everybody's going to react different. Everybody's viewpoint is going to be different. And it is going to have to take a collective mindset to deal with racism. I personally feel that it's not going anywhere. It's going to exist. You're going to constantly have those people that, those white people who live in their small pocket communities and up wherever it is that they are, and they're blind to the realities of others. Just like you have some black people that are outraged, like, oh, this is not how we get justice. This is not how we do things. We have to learn to conform to and respect the police. And, you know, so it's both sides. I think that the solution that I could come up with right now is to just continue the conversation, continue the fight, continue to work in the movement, continue to do whatever it is you feel to make this better, to deal with it, like, like how I am, you know. I decided to stay. I don't need to leave the house <laughs> at all. I decided today that I am going to focus and look at social media to get my thoughts together because I do enjoy podcasting. It is something I love to do. And this is some, this is like somewhat of an escape from, for me in a lot of respects, um, an escape from the reality of just sitting in my house, knowing what's happening in the world, you know? So if that answers the question, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> So to me, it seems like racism is is rooted in fear, like fear of that person that looks different from me, fear that they're going to hurt me, fear. Does that at all ring true? It's a part of it. Um, I think racism is, racism is definitely rooted in fear. Racism is also rooted in privilege that my life and my existence is better and more superior than others. Racism is also rooted in I deserve this and you don't. Um, and I could go on and on ab about that, but yeah, racism is definitely there's a, there's a fear factor in racism yeah. for sure. I think it's even underlying that. Like I'm in this place of privilege, and I I'm afraid of you rising up and taking it from me. So again, it's it underneath it all. I keep finding mm -hmm. I keep coming to fear. Yeah, it it, it is. Yeah, yeah, mm. and. Other countries had slavery, but no other country seems to have such a freaking divisive relationship between white and black as America. And you said you traveled around. Like, what, have, you, have you experienced racism outside of the United States? Yes, I have. Okay. Um, I studied abroad and went during undergrad. I was in England for a semester, a semester abroad. And to be honest, it was the first time that I lived outside of American racism. From my understanding, 
what my thoughts are bringing me to say right now is that American racism extended, it had a harsher reality than you may see racism in other countries. Um, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Um, when I was in Europe, there were many times when they were, and I was recognized as a black man. But the idea of what that black man is and who he was wasn't a black man in America. It was so what country in are you from the Caribbean? Are you from a country in Africa? You look like you're from yo, you look like you're from I, think, I remember one time he was like, Are you from like what this guy? I remember I forgot his name, but he asked me like what tribe I was from. You know what I'm saying? So the perception of what a black man is is different in other places. There are some places, some countries in this world that we are respected, we're treated just as equally as a man. You know what I'm saying? And at the same time, there are some places where, like on the flip side, where in America, like I'm devalued and I'm not looked at and respected the same way I am in other places. And, and it goes vice versa in, in so many different ways for so many different people and demographics. But it's not the same outside of the US. I think the United States has strategically built this country to keep black people and black men living in less than conditions. And 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 I also can and I also want to acknowledge and say that, you know, I don't understand racism in every other part of the world or know that I, I just know from my experiences and what it is that I've experienced. And and it's a different type of racism. It's not as from my experience being abroad, I felt more free in my skin. I felt more respected in a lot of ways. Um, I joined the Black Student Union over there. Well, I didn't join, but I went to a couple meetings over there. And I remember I was talking. I, I don't remember exactly what, I, what prompted me to speak up in this room and it's like be at Black Student Union um, event that I was at. But I remember that I was there and it was October because they celebrate Black History Month in October. And my takeaway from that was this girl, she was from Tanzania, and she said, my brother, my American brother, you don't know who you are. Your country has not allowed you to truly understand who you are. I beg of you to search to understand who you truly are, because your country has lied to you. From that moment forth, like those words will forever stick with me because it's like my your experience, like your experience as a black man, as a black person is going to be different based on where you are. You know what I'm saying? So it's much different here in America. It's much the reality, the racism, the bullshit, the killings. Like you don't you don't see police still killing people. In England, at least, I mean, police shootings are, are not nowhere near as high as you see in America. I think America has this perception that we're the best and we're this and that. And there are things that are going on, like police brutality, that is unique to America from a global perspective. Yeah, and if, targeting towards one, one person. So, yeah, much we're the most armed. We're the most armed country, and you know, yeah, I mean that that has a lot to do with it. It's it's easier. Um, but I guess what what I guess what shocked me with with George Floyd was that he was just so blatantly murdered in broad daylight in front of a crowd being videotaped. 
Like I'm kind of, all right, I'm used to the back of a paddy wagon and all, oh, you know, when, you know, when no one's looking, bad shit can happen. Yeah. But, but then I'm like, well, maybe this isn't unique. And I mean, the days of lynchings and or a runaway slave, back for, like, like, is this really has been much more common again than, than my naive white ass has realized. And yep. so it's, I, I totally agree that it's, it's in all these systems. I don't think it's training, you know, cause there's, I, or there's something innate or from generations that, you know, uh, a cop sees armed white people and thinks they're harmless. A cop sees any black man and that's dangerous. And, and they react through, through training beyond the police academy, you know, how they were brought up. Um, yeah. Like, like when, you were, when you were growing up, did, did your parents ever sit you down and go, you know, Blake, you're black. And that means this in this country, and you better be careful here, there, and that kind of stuff. Or was that ten-year-old experience kind of the first time it was all in your face? That was the first time it was in my face, and I remember. So the first time my mom spoke to me specifically about being a black man was, I think I called. <laughs> I was I was a badass kid. I'm just throw that out there. I was not. <laughs> a good kid growing up, I guess you could say. But anywho, but I remember I called this little boy a wigger at the time. And I remember my teacher became so upset and she was like furious. And I, and I had never seen my teacher be that upset. But I remember when my mom sat me down and she said, you have to realize that you're going to get in more trouble than your peers, your white peers. You may do the same exact thing and your consequences will be harsher than your white counterparts or your peers. And in, in the midst of the conversation, because I remember being like, well, I called him a wigger because he called me a name too. So he called me a name, I called him a name. I don't understand why I was the one who was sent to the office for with a referral, you know what I'm saying? So my mom was trying to help me to understand why I was the one who said uh, a, a white racist slur, and, but I was the one who got in more trouble. I guess the words that I use, I think he probably said something really, you know, childish like you stupid head or something like that. And I was like, you fucking wigger, you know what I'm saying? I was that kid that would cuss you out in school type stuff. So, but anywho, those kind of conversations happened a few times in my childhood, but I eventually reached a stage where I started to understand and see the world for myself very early. Very, some of my early interactions with cops and seeing them and things like that um, really helped to formulate my own opinion about the world I live in. History, as taught to me, uh, civil rights movement through the 60s, 70s, the you know, blacks have all the rights that we have and everything's supposed to be fine. Now, I get that that's not true, but mm -hmm. there's certainly, as, as more black people have gotten into, you know, corporations and, and politics, and, like, why is it still not changing? Or if, if Congress and the president were all, if we had an all-African-American political force in Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. what, what could they do? What, what, you know, can you even identify as just a dream scenario of if we change these three things, life would be better for everybody? Or is just just not possible. I think one thing. Let me see if I can think because this is this is a good question. 
One is stop killing us. That's something that could happen. Actually, when you see somebody being murdered, I, I think that's another part of the outrage, which is that this man was detained. He was belly down. And I, and I, also, I haven't seen the video myself personally. I, I can't handle it. But from what I've been heard and what I've seen on social media, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, he was detained, belly down, and this officer had his knee in his in the back of his neck for over seven minutes while he was detained, belly down, and not even struggling. Yeah. Correct. And so the outrage is at the fact that we all see this. Y'all, it's kind of like y'all don't see this. Y'all don't see this happening. And then this man dies, and no murder charges are brought up. So it's like, how can we say justice is equal to everybody in this country when this is? murder this is excessive force this is you're like why why are you still applying force on this man's neck when he is detained at this point in time and i i literally saw this video yesterday of, of this white lady who was um i think it's like melissa mercer or something like that she went on some little rant and cops should be held to a higher standard is the thing you guys are the ones who I respect police, and, and I, I feel that police are necessary, and they should be here to help, you know, kind of have some sense of order, but you all should be held to a higher standard because you all are the ones who sign up to protect and serve our country and us as people, but yet you're held to this higher standard, but when you abuse your power, you're not held accountable, but when I, as a Black man, try to for example, maybe sell a couple cigarettes outside of stores so I could feed my daughter and make sure my bills are paid. That's wrong. And I'm being attacked and going to jail for that immediately. So that, that, that's, that's what came to my mind right there. Yeah. It, and it's, it's obvious. I don't know. It's not obvious to everybody, but every crime is a capital offense. If you're a black man, whatever reason the police has to come talk to you can result in your death. You know something? I actually want to share a story. This is this is one thing I was thinking. I was like, this is going to really bring a good perspective to this conversation here. I was a teacher in so, so I'm in Atlanta. I was teaching in on the south side of Atlanta, and I when I moved here, I'm gonna give you a little background. I moved here. I had an apartment. Couldn't really afford it. Long story short, I ended up moving again. I never really like changed my address. I had like moved from my grandmother's house. So anywho, my license was suspended and I didn't know it. Okay. I get off work. This is in October of my second year of teaching. I have on a bright orange button down shirt, tie, khaki pants, dress shoes, and my teacher badge on my hip. I'm a teacher, right? One of the most noble positions <laughs> in, the, in the world or in this country ever, right? And, I, and the officer pulls me over. I give him my license, give him my insurance. I've, I've also trained myself to when a cop pulls me over, my hands are on 10 and 2. I'm not moving or doing nothing. And any move that I make with the, when, when I'm being pulled over and I'm interacting, I'm verbally communicating that to the cops. The anxiety, the fear that I feel every time I see a cop, especially when I'm pulled over, is very real. Long story short, my license was suspended. Or rather, it was expired because I didn't uh, file the paperwork, renew it, or, or some shit I didn't do. For whatever reason, my license wasn't valid, and that's a crime here in Georgia. I was taken to jail 
for driving, from leaving a school building as a teacher and going home. Mind you, okay, I messed up. I didn't properly register my license, take care of things or, or pay a ticket or whatever it was that it, it may be. But the fact that I was a teacher and I was arrested and put in jail for driving my car. But I see now a police officer, some another public servant position designed to serve others. You are murdering people. You're taking a life away. And you've just been fired. No charges have been filed. You're not even in jail. You haven't even been charged. I mean, we know that if the officers are charged, they're going to eventually get out on bond or bail or something like that. There's going to be a whole trial. We may not see the ramifications of justice being served for years. But I share that story so that way people can understand that my experience is different. I, I like our experiences in, in the justice system is different. We're punished more harshly than others. We're, we're, we're not given the same breaks and privileges that, that others are given. You know what I'm saying? And I also want to acknowledge the fact that there are some amazing police officers who really uphold the true in modern times, in today's society, because I don't agree with the history, because I know the history of policing, and, I'm, I'm, and I don't think a lot of people understand that. But I do know that there are some police officers that really are out there dedicating their lives each and every single day to truly protect and serve the general public. Black, white, whatever. There have been, I'll share this too. When I was little, growing up, I wanted to be a cop. That was the first thing I wanted to do. First thing I wanted to be. Why? Because I witnessed my mom being beaten by other Black men. I witnessed a lot of domestic violence. And the one time that I would ever feel safe was when the cops finally came. I knew that my mom wasn't getting her ass beat anymore. I knew that this, what I was seeing in my house was about to end. So I often feel conflicted in talking about cops and how I feel about them because I see the good and the bad. I think both have equality here. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes the bad outweighs the good. Sometimes the good outweighs the bad. So, And especially when the bad is not punished, it gets it's yeah. worse. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And so like, yeah, exactly. Egg fucking exactly. So if next week they announce, say they announce murder charges brought against that, that officer in Minneapolis, uh, do the protest stop? They shouldn't. Yeah. All right. So what, 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 then what's the, what's the end goal? If, and, and, it, and I get that it's bigger than this one case. So what, yeah, can they, can there be an end goal? How do we? How do? How does Black America know that they've done something? I think that this is where I am. When this hashtag dies down and shit goes back to normal, somebody's got to keep this momentum and this movement going. Okay, that's one of the reasons why I'm literally fighting through, like, like trying to have conversations like this. I'm organized with other people to constantly have conversations because things may go back to normal and we'll eventually forget about George Floyd or another hashtag will come out. I think a solution that needs to be had is there needs to be direct and intentional 
changes in laws, policies, government structures, local um, policies and how things are organized amongst people. That's where we need to, I think that's one, a part of the solution. Another part of the solution is, like I said, continue to raise awareness. Continue to, well, let me say, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue to educate myself so I can become better at being knowledgeable about the laws um, from a local to a state, a national, and a federal level. I'm going to continue to have courageous conversations like this, as painful, as difficult as they may be, as stumbling over my words as, as it may happen. I'm going to continue to do this. I'm going to continue to share post, talk, communicate with people that are like-minded and want this stuff to end. Like I said before, do I believe racism will ever completely end? No. But I do believe that there's a healthy and productive way that we can deal with things like this. For example, if we see a murder happening on videotape, arrest the murderer. Just like if you saw me burning down a building, you're going to come and try and charge me with arson. Right? So just do what you say you're going to do and stop being a hypocrite about the shit. Um, yeah, there, there's other solutions, many other things that could be done. I, like I said, I'm not an expert on what a solution could or shouldn't be. Um, yeah, you're, you're an expert on your experience. You're an expert on Blake. An expert so, on my experience. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, no, like what, what would make, and just said, well, I would feel better. You know, what, what makes Blake know that something's been accomplished finally? Like what makes you realize that there's been a change in the world and maybe it'll stick? I think another thing that would help me to really see a change is to see more white people like yourself speak up and be honest, be vulnerable, and be transparent and say, I don't know a solution. Be honest and say, I want to understand. You know, I, I literally, like, I literally, I'm looking at my notes now, the ladies and Melissa McCreary, like, you could, I could tell that this was a privileged white woman who truly may not understand my experience as a black man who truly may not understand that racism is still very prevalent in this country. The more that happens along with my people doing what it is that we supposed to be doing, I think it will, that'll also be a, a indication to me to see a change because I know how my people feel. I don't know how the opposite feels. And so that's one of the things that really drove me into you is because I mean, I mean, we, and we kind of briefly, I mean, honestly, I thought we were going to connect and talk about some mental health stuff. That's, that's a whole other ball game. You know what I'm saying? But to see somebody that looks different from me, empathize and understand and be willing to hear me. And I can, and I know that they're really trying to process and wrap their mind around it. Just like me, that lets me know that you win this fight with me. You're not against me. You're with me. And that's what that, and, and that's what's also just gives me a little bit more fire, you know, so it gives me a little bit more energy, which is knowing that, because you're not, you're not the first one. I have a guy who um, I went to college with, I won't say his name or anything, but I saw his post. He said, I'm not white. I don't understand what racism is, but it's also not my position to say how I should respond to seeing somebody who looks like me being murdered. Yeah. That's real. 
And, you know, and if that's all you have to give, that's all you have to give. But show me that you're trying to see, you're trying to understand. If you don't, you need to be trying. And there's plenty of spaces that you can come into. There's plenty of spaces that can be created for like what it is that we're doing. And one time's not going to be enough. You know, this is going to be because this is historical. You know, we're not seeing anything new. That's why I said I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised. I thought I had my MacBook on Do Not Disturb, but clearly people calling through. Oh, it's because it's one of my favorites. So, <laughs> anywho. Uh, yeah. Um, I forgot what I was saying. That just made me laugh a little. Yeah, maybe that's what we needed then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, and, you know what, let me say this too, Andy. Because I know that a lot of people may feel that simply posting about things on social media or simply talking about things. I've seen uh, a, a lot of energy that's saying you have to go out there and do something, be action, do action, do, do something, physically go out there and do something. That's going to look different based on who you are and where you are in this world. There are certain Black people that have the ability and the power and the privilege to do much more than I can. You know what I'm saying? Right now with and, and, and that's why I say the reactions of the people rioting and protesting is justified. I'm not saying it's right to go burn down buildings and steal shit, but um, I know what it's like to be so frustrated and so consumed with emotions that you just respond. And so I feel that everybody has to play their role. And so me, I'm playing my role in A, protecting, keeping myself peaceful and having a conversation. There's some people out there who feel their role is to go out there and organize march and protest. There's some people out there who they feel their role is to send emails to the congressmen and to call their local officials and raise awareness. There's some people out there who feel that it's important that we all go outside and stand and march. You know what I'm saying? Whatever you feel your role is in this movement to help us better deal with race relations in this country, Find your role and own it and do it because it's not, there's no one solution. There's no one way. There's no, I don't feel, I mean, I feel that there's some wrong ways, but I feel that there's multiple right ways to kind of curve what it is that we're seeing here. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, I think it was less than a month ago. It did the, the real me feel show on being black in America. I talked to reach out to three African-American f- friends that had been on the show previously. And again, what I learned really, really shocked me. And now we've had two incidents since then that have made the news and captured the attention of the world. And so that's why I want to do this and just encourage people. Like I said it earlier, like use social media to reach out to someone you don't know, like have the conversation. Look, we have both been in tears in this conversation and we both made it right. Nobody said, Oh, what an idiot. No, no, no one hung up. You know, like, like, no, before you're black or white, we're both men and we're both human beings. So there's a lot more ways that we can connect. There really is. And so, you know, this, I said on that show, like this is the least I can do. Mm-hmm. So I'm, if I'm not willing to do the least that I have the power to do, then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the problem. So. Yeah. You, yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. 100% agree. You have to do something. And I, um, and, and like I said, even in the, um, I'm also realizing that becoming a podcast and doing podcasts is getting a lot more real than I anticipated. <laughs> well, yeah, if, if you're, if you're, if you're authentic in your show, then yeah, there's nothing realer. 
And maybe that's why podcasts are, are you know, connecting with people because it's not, it's not a mask. It's not bullshit. It's not a fake show. It's, it's people mm-hmm. being real. And that's what, we, that's what I fucking think we need. If more people were real about their own fears and, conf- you know, and being able to talk about it, feel the emotions. Everyone's, everyone has emotions right now, but the willingness to feel them, to process them, to express them, and not just react to them, you know, not to deny your, your fear, your hurt, and then just strike out against something. Yep. Uh, everyone's fucking frustrated right now. I, I'm still shocked how many, how much, how many white people don't like see it like that. You know, that, 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 that people that just, if, uh, or if some, if you talk about white privilege, a lot of, I see people go, oh, you're trying to, you're trying to white guilt me. I'm like, I'm, I don't know what that means. Like, I don't feel guilty for being white, but I can appreciate that I have things easier and I've had a better life just because of that. Like, but I don't feel guilty about it. You know? mm-hmm. so, uh, it's like, you didn't choose to be born a white man. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't choose to be born a black man. But here we are. Yeah. Your privilege is oftentimes given to you. Right. Privilege. You didn't say, oh, I want this. Yet at the same time, if you recognize that there's a problem, you have to address it. But you can't address the problem if you don't see a problem. You see what I'm saying? And the way American society is set up, it's possible to live in a nice little cute bubble somewhere and and never, because the majority of people realist i mean I, I i forget the exact statistical data or what it is but most people don't travel more out I, I think it's like more than 15 miles away from where they actually live yeah. most people don't actually pick up and uproot themselves and move to another state another city another environment so a lot of people are conformed to the environment in which they've always lived people who have for example, black people in, I'm just saying like this, black people who live in Chicago may not be able to relate to what it's like to be black in Miami, Florida. I've lived in Chicago and Miami, Florida. I may not have lived there for a long time, planting roots or have family or there or anything like that. Well, I do have family in Chicago, maybe some in Florida too, but that's another conversation. But my point in saying that is I've experienced different places and being treated different ways. When I was in Miami, I lived in Miami for two years. Most people weren't asking me, oh, like, people were asking me, like, like, where are you from? And I would be like, Chicago? And they'd be like, no, like, where's your people from? Like, are you Dominican, Haitian? Like, where, where are you from? Like, so my perception and the majority of people who live in Miami are going to understand and feel that. You see what I'm saying? So it's really about just, man, just being open-minded, educate yourself. Be willing to talk about the tough things, the things that are difficult, because that's really where the learning occurs. You can't do better if you can't learn in your comfort zone. Yeah, and and nothing new is learned from the same old experiences. Right. And and that's one of the reasons why I'm stepping into the spaces I'm stepping in now. You know, I'm moving to YouTube. and really using social media as a place to be positive and uplifting and 
no longer being afraid of sharing my struggles or challenges or being afraid of my background and how I may look at the time, you know what I'm saying? Because I just want to be real and I just want to be me. And I spent a lot of my life pretending to be something that I wasn't, pretending to be okay when, I mean, to keep it 100, when many times I was really feeling like blowing my fucking head off because I was just exhausted and tired of going through each day. You know what I'm saying? And it took me a very long time to be able to say that and to find spaces where people can understand that. Because until you, and, and for me, I feel, I feel confidence in sharing this right now. I've dealt with suicidal ideation before. And to have the desire to want to end your own life and then see shit like this is really something, is really a, a part of my, my personal struggle right now. So I'm like, what, what for? Why? Why should I continue to try to live a life that can be taken like that? It seems to me like, like and that's another part of the post. Um, I don't know if I posted it there, but I posted a lot of places and I'm trying to write a book and all that kind of stuff. Anywho, long story short, but it's like, it seems to me like suicide is a way for me to be in control of my destiny and how it is I choose to leave this earth. And that's just what it is but I don't want to do that I don't want to put that burden on other people and that's something that I've also been struggling and dealing with as well and even as I open up and share about that I just automatically start to think about oh who's gonna see this oh my god they're gonna think oh Blake's crazy oh Blake's gonna kill so oh let's be careful no I'm good when I need help I'll let you know I need help because at this point in life it is what it is and so people carry burdens deep heavy burdens and trauma and it weighs them down on the inside and it eats them alive from the inside out which is one of the reasons why people are not angry because george well let me say this people are angry because george floyd was murdered but this is but that feeling that anger that they're displaying that outrage is not new this is what we live with. This is our reality. This is my reality as a black man in this country that I can literally get in my car, go drive to go get a smoothie and I could be pulled over and fucking murdered by a cop. That's a possible, that's a reality. That's something that is common that I see on a regular basis. And people don't understand what that's like on your psyche. Yeah. It, 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 and it, even you saying that it's really hard for me to fathom that that's, like every day, like that's like, really? Like the, the biggest fear I've had when I see a cop is, oh, I might get a ticket. And, and, and again, that, that's an example of privilege, right? You're, you're having a daily fear and I'm not. It's because, it's because of privilege. And it's not by a choice. It's not like, I, I don't recall going somewhere and voting that, well, we'll never be afraid of policemen. Like, I, you know, that didn't happen. But yeah. again, it's systemic. So there's gotta be systemic changes. But you know, one thing I wanna say is, you know, I've tried to end my life multiple times and authenticity, you stepping up, you being authentic about who you are is fucking healing as hell for you and for everybody else that hears it. So, you know, I just want to take a moment and, you know, commend you and the choices and, and the path and you opening up more and everything. Cause you know, that's, what's needed. That That's why you're alive, right? That's why that, that urge to kill yourself, it, it doesn't win because there's a stronger urge to stay here and to do something and to share yourself. And, you know, and that's true for just every freaking human being on the planet. Yeah. Amen to that. Cause 
I reached a point where it was like, because I had been very, I've been back and forth with my ideas on social media. And, you know, when I was a teacher, I was very like, oh my God, I gotta be perfect on social media. Now I'm just like, yo, I could die tomorrow. Not even by my own damn fault. So I am going, if I, in this moment, feel I have a message that can resonate with somebody else, if I have something I can say or do or express or share that is really going to help somebody else, I'm going to do that. Because it does help to release and to get it out and to, because a lot of times when you're processing it in here by yourself, it's like, it's only going here, but when you get it out, it's out and it's over, you know? And, and, and honestly, it was, our, our, it was last, when we first connected and you told me uh, your story, it was like, wow. So it's not just me. It's not just, you know what I'm saying? So, so it, it's helped me to understand that my experiences aren't unique to everybody. And I also understand that, that other people may not have ever had a suicidal thought day in their life. Sure. So they can't relate to that. You know what I'm saying? But for the people who have, for the people who do still struggle, I'm also going to be an advocate for them because it is a problem that I see with especially African-American men. Like that's one of the things that me and Dr. Lulu were just talking about. She's a youth suicide prevention activist. This shit is happening for real. But you don't see that kind of stuff on national news. You don't see where, and, and it's very taboo to even talk about that. You know what I'm saying? Even, and, and I think that that topic of suicide and race relations kind of have the same level of weight. Some people don't see it. Some people don't understand but people who have experienced it who've been there no and you can feel it yeah even though and especially though it feels like we're all separate and at war with each other the truth is we're all in this together and that's why there is this there's this more overpowering urge to, to connect to reach out people do the majority do want to heal and maybe they just don't know how or they don't know how much there is to heal and that's where a lot of it is, right? Yeah. Right. Well, Blake, I want to thank you for taking the time for for being open to this conversation. Um, visit realmenfeel.org. We'll have all sorts of links to check out Blake's broadcast, social media contacts. Um, if you want to be a, if you want to come on Real Men Feel and have a conversation like this, reach out. I don't care what your viewpoint is. I don't care what your you look like. If you have something to say, I'm I, I'm glad to hear it and help give a platform to that. Um, because, again, I want to both of us be leading by example. Talk mm. to people. Talk to the people you don't know. If you realize that you're afraid of people, find someone that you can approach, right? And, it's, hey, COVID gives you the reason. You don't have to see him in person, right? You can, you can Zoom safely and meet any stranger in the world these days, right? And if you meet somebody that's crazy, you can just close your laptop and go on about your business. That's right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's a unique and interesting time that we live in right now, Andy. I'm very... Glad that I've been able to connect with you. And I know that we're going to do great things together in the future because ultimately where I'm at in my life is I'm truly starting to experience inner freedom and inner peace, regardless of what my body is experiencing on the outside in the world. And when you find peace within, true peace and happiness within, and it's pure and it's solid. And to be honest, I'm just now, I'm 30 years old, just now really understanding what that may be like. It allows you to have more balance, to have more understanding, to understand that, okay, today I'm pissed off, I'm upset. Should I be doing something yet? But I'm going to sit in the house today. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's good. I'm, I'm happy to have had this conversation as well. It's one of the reasons why I have my podcast. I'm continuing to try to do what it is I'm due. And even 
uplift and build other people, other podcasters along with me because everybody has a story, but everybody's not willing to tell and share their story. And some people are afraid to even understand their own story. And I say that because I was all of those people at one point in time. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it, this really world of, of love and fear. I don't think it's love and hate. It's love and fear. And, you know, if you can embrace the fear, you can heal it. If you love yourself, you can love others. If you don't love mm-hmm. yourself, you can't pretend, even pretend to love others. Right. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, again, thank you. Thanks to everyone that, that stuck with us. Um, and please just follow this example. Talk to somebody you don't know. Share what's going on with yourself. Learn about what's going on for somebody else. That is the only way that we will get through this and make a better, healthier, safer, saner society for all of us. Until next time, be good to yourself. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Contact us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel.